I'd never been over there to surf. And so for me, it was like just as much about like <laughs> justifying my passion, I guess, to go and surf and explore, you know, to try and create, I guess, an experience for other people too. So this is the Seasonals Podcast, a show where we talk to people living the seasonal lifestyle. We take an in-depth look at the decision points they've encountered along the way. I'm here with Scott Ryerson today. How are we doing, Scott? Oh, doing great. Doing great. I just made a fresh cup of coffee. Hell yeah. Nice. And so you are in Seward, Alaska today? Yeah. Yeah, down here. Hopefully at the end of our little stretch of rainy days and got some snow and one day of sunshine coming on the forecast. Perfect. And so you are the owner-operator of Alaska Surf Guides up there. Tell me sort of about, about the company, about, you know, what you do there and sort of give me a, a normal day and what that looks like. Yeah, it's actually kind of cool coming up on the fifth summer, uh, or sneaking up on me, I should say, but, uh, started, uh, Alaska surf guides, I guess, four years ago. And really the biggest goal of mine was just to be able to surf more. And if like most people know, a lot of things in Alaska seem to take a little more effort uh, than most places. So surfing is really no exception. And, uh, so yeah, our biggest problem was, was coastal access. And so that was kind of the, the big hurdle to try and conquer and in, in, uh, in order to get people out surfing. And so it was a fun project in the beginning of, uh, yeah, just, just kind of handing over my credit card to a local pilot and gearing up with my camera and an idea of, uh, where we wanted to go have a closer look and just kind of flying the coastline and looking for waves. So that was a lot of fun. So did that and sort of figured out some spots that I could uh, go surf with people and kind of been doing that ever since. When you get a, a typical guest or group of guests, they're going into it knowing we're getting into a helicopter. They're going to take us to, you know, whichever spot is, is good for the day, finding waves. And we're going to, go surf in Alaska out there on the Pacific. Yeah. So that's kind of the, I mean, it's, it's definitely, um, it's, it's been fun in, in a way to sort of be around, I guess, running these same style trips and talking with people, um, uh, because I've learned a lot of stuff about it. And of course, like, as you can guess, like, you know, anything with helicopter is going to have a higher price tag. And that's just because flying is just insanely expensive and those things burn a ton of fuel and, and the pilots are, you know, they've got a lot of training, so uh, they need to be compensated. So it all kind of adds up to a really epic experience, but one that definitely, you know, carries a price tag. So, but that's like, you know, one of the things that makes the experience so epic in addition to just like the surfing aspect of it. But, you know, it's that aerial establishment of like, you know, flying over some 4,000 foot peaks and glaciers on the way to go surf and um, you know, you're just on sensory overload as you kind of see that landscape and you kind of, you know, crest over the mountains, leaving like Seward, the Seward area and get into where you can see the open Gulf. And I think that's another part of the whole experience is just like getting that excitement and just seeing how vast and like how much coastline there really is around here to surf. So, um, so yeah, that's, just like one of the cool parts. I mean, you pair that with surfing and being in the middle of like nowhere, you know, with nobody else there. You know, that's the other really huge appeal that maybe Alaskans might, you know, not really realize that like when you surf in other places, there's, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of people in the water. And uh, in Alaska, it's, you know, especially on these trips, it's whoever you go with and maybe like a local harbor seal is wanting to hang out. So, yeah, that's kind of just a, an overview of, uh, of what I think makes it unique and what people have really enjoyed about it. So in my mind, obviously, this is a little dramatized, but I'm thinking, you know, show up, we get our, our gear loaded into the helicopter. Uh, we jump in with you and the pilot. It takes off. Creedence Clearwater Revival is blaring over the speaker as we're, you know, 
going above the evergreens <laughs> through the peaks, you know, you're pointing out bears and bald eagles along the way as we're headed towards the spot. We get sort of the coastline, you're looking, you're scoping it out, you're watching the water and you're like, no, not that spot. Let's keep going, you know. And then you get to you get to a spot that's, you know, good that day. You s- sort of hover over the water everybody grabs their board and jumps in out of the helicopter and the helicopter waits on the beach for you guys after a few hours tell me maybe fix my uh my idea here but pick out one of like maybe your favorite tours you've done in the last you know whatever and you know give me give me the how it went oh that's epic that's like you'd be surprised you're not the only one who thinks that way i get a good amount of like phone calls or emails, like asking if we can jump out of the heli with the surfboard um, <laughs> and listen to CCR. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, everybody's, I think seen what is it? Apocalypse now, I think is the surf movie that they do that in. Um, yeah. I think, I think every movie that has a helicopter, it, there has to be CCR <laughs> playing as you're in it. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's definitely, uh, I mean, I, I guess I didn't touch on that in that last little bit, but, kind of the main thing is that because everything's you know because helicopters are so expensive i've kind of dialed it in like i've i've got like two brakes that are as close as i can get them to town and the in the means that like they're still 30 miles away but like that's a calculated like distance you know what i mean so i can give people a a kind of an idea of a cost because if we were doing it just based off of like let's go check all these spots I mean, that's my dream come true. Don't get me wrong. I'm still waiting for somebody to tell me that. But the the tag would go, you know, the bill would go up, up, up and up. So that's kind of the goal is to is to kind of try to make it affordable for people, you know, if that was, uh, you know, a term uh, when it's when I'm talking about these trips. But but yeah, essentially what we do is we'll go to one of these two spots and and uh, like we said, fly in, you know, maybe some CCR plan, maybe some. Uh, I don't know, some Bruce Springsteen that's typically on the playlist, but uh, we'll get uh, come into the cove or the bay, whichever one we go to there and get dropped off and, you know, unload our gear. Helicopter pilot actually takes off. So we're there, you know, with nothing. We don't have a helicopter sitting on the beach. We just get to enjoy it to ourselves. So it's kind of fun to see that helicopter flying away. Yeah, we'll gear up, surf for anywhere from two to four hours and kind of chill out for a little while on the beach, put our, uh, put our gear away and wait for our ride to come and scoop us up. So yeah, give me the, like pick out one of your favorites from, you know, the last season or the last couple seasons and like go through it step by step. Oh man. Let's see. That's a, that's a really good one. That's, I don't even know to be honest with you, if I could have a favorite and that's because like, seriously, every single trip is different. And, uh, and I mean that in like, you know, if, if you're, there's just different categories, I guess, of like what makes a trip so cool. Sometimes like you just get the most phenomenal flight, like, you know, buzzing a glacier and you see mountain goats and it's just a bluebird day. And yeah, I mean, other times we've seen whales from the helicopter and there's just like some aspects to it. You know, there's a lot of variables and then there's other days where, you know, it's socked in and we're a hundred feet off the water going the long way around i guess i would say we go out around the cape and and uh but you know and then you show up and the waves are phenomenal so it's you know there's a lot of variables to the trips and you know variables as in like waves and weather but also as in like wildlife and and other things and but if i can kind of think of a i guess spectacular trip would be i mean i had a good friend of mine come out with me this last year which was really awesome and and again, it was kind of one of those like foggier days and, and, uh, you know, you always want to provide a really cool trip for people. And so you're like, ah, oh, man, I'm not going to be able to, we're not going to be able to fly up and over. But so we kind of went the long way around. And, but when we got there, the waves were, I don't know, I would, I would say probably the best I saw them all year. They were definitely overhead and just had really good shape and really long rides. And yeah, it was just the three of us just trading off waves for two to three hours. And then, uh, yeah, on our ride home, we had ended up getting a little bit of a break in the clouds and got to do a little cruising through some super high peaks. And, uh, yeah, it was really, really just a memorable trip for me. 
Yeah, most people when they think of surfing, it's you know they're looking back at the beach, they're seeing you know the beach covered in towels and people and maybe palm trees and you know the hot air and sun shining down. Give me a feel of in Alaska after you've helicoptered to a spot, like what that looks like as opposed to what sort of the idea people probably have. Yeah. Um, I mean, in Alaska, like kind of, especially out of like the Seward area, I mean, things are just so vertical. We're in a rainforest and we're surrounded by huge mountains. So kind of as like a rule of thumb, especially in this area, just the coastline is so steep and it's just like phenomenal. There's massive old growth trees. And that the other thing that's like really unique about this area too, is that we just have glaciers like everywhere. Every bay has a glacier in this area for the most part. And even where we're surfing from, like you can see over to the Harding Ice Field, which is a massive ice cap. It's super unique in that sense. So, and our wildlife's a little bit different too than probably most places. You know, we have a lot of harbor seals and sea lions. You know, occasionally we'll see some humpbacks breaching or feeding. And then like on the rare occasion, which I'm always intimidated by, but it's mother nature as you see orcas and that's always like pretty spectacular too. You had a, uh, a wild animal situation where maybe they interacted with you more than, more than, uh, you wanted. Uh, yeah, I think like, I mean, not on a, not on my trips. I don't think, uh, personally, I think really we see a lot of harbor seals and they're just curious and, you know, on an average trip, they'll come over and get within, I would say 30 feet of you and just kind of watch you. And they're really funny, uh, pretty curious and pretty strange at the same time. But, uh, but on a personal trip, I mean, on a couple personal trips, I can really remember, yeah, some super close encounters with, uh, sea lions. And if, if people are kind of unfamiliar with the stellar sea lion, uh, it's, uh, it's essentially a bear in the water with, uh, massive flippers. And it can swim really fast. And uh, yeah, they're, they're really cool. They're curious. Uh, but the big ones, like the males and stuff, they, you know, they're, they weigh up to 2000 pounds. So they're pretty big animals. But yeah, I've had a couple of really close encounters. I had one that was kind of like swimming really underneath me, looking up at me and like swimming around me. And like, yeah, it was like definitely a humbling experience that made me feel really small in the water those things can get pretty aggressive and when they're like barking or roaring in the water and the, especially the ones with the, the nose thing going on. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a scary sight. Yeah, they're definitely, and it, it depends on the time of the year. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool things. I've, I've been fortunate enough to like be around a lot of people that I've learned a lot of stuff about from wildlife wise. And really it's, you know, you start to learn these things about like the time of the year, you know, if it's a male or a female, these kinds of things, whether it's, you know, if it's mating season, you know, if it's a winter time, they're, they're traveling around in these groups of, you know, 10 to 20 of them, like a harem. And so like, that's kind of when you, you kind of see that coming your way. It's like, ah, oh, maybe I'll get out of the water for a little bit um, and just let these guys pass by. So there's, you know, kind of the same thing with like, I guess orcas. I mean, I don't, I've never really had a close encounter with orcas, but there's, you know, similar things with that. If it's three orcas, they're more probably transients or offshores that are mammal eaters. And if there's 20 or more, you know, or five or 10 of them, then it's most likely the, the fish eating, uh, resident orcas. So just kind of small things you pick up, uh, along the way. Yeah. That's very cool that you're sort of learning about the, the fauna by, you know, being out there and, just figuring out and seeing it as you go. Yeah. It's been like, I mean, that's, it's kind of crazy. I think one of the, one of the things, I mean, I I'm learning a lot of stuff, but I'm also learning a lot, you know, about myself in the sense that like I'm being fascinated by not only wildlife, but like Alaska has a young history, but it has a history of like just amazing people, you know, not only that, but even our like early, like our military uh, presence and Seward and stuff, it's just all, just all really fascinating what people were capable of and you know what they did and i'm sure they had a probably a similar outlook of like you know traveling to the last frontier and and uh enjoying the wild yeah the state history there is rich and i mean it's so recent that there are people 
talking about it that were there for so much of it, especially the pipeline and all that. Yeah, absolutely. A pipeline. Yeah, the oil spill, the pipeline. It's cool. It's we're you know, we're still we're probably two generations now. I can remember being a young kid and and doing some uh interviews on the 64 earthquake and um I don't know how many people are familiar with that, but that those were pretty radical times. That changed definitely changed the path of uh Seward's future when uh the entire like railroad and and uh, industrial complex fell into the ocean and I think at that time they decided like now we're not going to rebuild it we're just gonna we're gonna change things to anchorage so um, yeah things have it's just interesting to see how that stuff went and talk to people who were there I think that's really fascinating what are sort of sort of the I'm sure there's a wide range but like the clientele that you get that you know comes up thinking I want a helicopter, I want to surf, and I want to do it in Alaska. Like, What's sort of the, the type of people or the stories behind the, the clientele you get? Yeah, so that's actually one of my, like, one of the great mysteries still and, like, one of my, like, favorite sort of questions or topics because, like, I don't really still think that you could narrow it down to, like, a demographic um, or a gender. And it's, like, you know, some people would say, like, I, I've done a lot of, like, looked at, you know, what surfing, you know, the average age of a surfer, the average income, there's, there's lots of information online about like that stuff in general for surfing. But I think these trips are like so different that, and and it kind of encompass more than just surfing. And so that attracts, I think just like really unique, you know, awesome people. And I, I haven't found one single age category, one geographic you know, demographic who, who's really hooked on the idea. It's been awesome. Like I think in a season I've had, I've had some like, you know, 65 year old cruise ship guests. Of course they like found it, you know, independently and we're like, Oh, we're already going to be in Seward. So, so they, you know, they find found it that way. But then I also get like 20 year olds or 25 year olds who are road tripping and, you know, it's just like, oh, this is kind of out of my price range, but I just like can't pass this up because this is insane. So, but then it's also, you know, another mix of people who travel internationally to come over here just for it. So, so really like, again, it's just such a, such a mix. And I think that's keeps it really fun for me as well, as far as somebody who's getting to share the experience with, with people from around the world of all different backgrounds. So um, I think, yeah, I guess just surfing, I guess that's the, the passion for surfing is, is probably, I guess the only common denominator amongst a lot of the people. And is the surfing better in the winter or the summer up there? Yeah. that's like a, that's such a tough, I think that's like a, the most common question as far as like what people want to know. Cause it's the, it's the time of like instant information. And I mean, I like to think that like, winter is probably the better time but it's also like there's snow on the ground it's it's cold a lot of the time it you know it's raining or too windy and so it's it's not uh you know i think for size wave size winter is better i think for like an overall enjoyable experience like you might take a, a, a smaller wave with the sunshine you know winter time is six hours of daylight so you have to take into consideration that like most the time you're surfing a spot it's it's at a particular tide and so you need to like plan that in your day and and six hours doesn't give you that much time to to kind of uh you know be at that location at that tide so as you get into like kind of what we call like the shoulder seasons which is cool for tourism as well because it totally applies is is like september october and then you know september october beginning in november and then essentially like March, April, May. And those are, you know, that's kind of a compromise of, of both worlds. You start to get more daylight, but then you also still are getting some significant like low pressure systems that are still making their way up here. Some of those winter storms. So that's kind of what I would, I kind of recommend to people is try to pick one of those dates is earlier or later in the summer heli season, as far as helicopter trips go. The helicopter pilot, is that within your company or is that another company that you just use for your tours? 
Uh, the helicopter pilot is uh, is a friend of mine, actually. I mean, we met before he started flying uh, and started his own company. So I work with him just, um, you know, contract work. So I don't do enough volume or anything like that to have my own helicopter. And that's, uh, you know, there's about four other companies in addition to his own flight seeing stuff that, that he flies for, uh, whether it's like ice climbing, uh, kayaking, uh, remote lodging, things like that, you know, without him, you know, not only without him, but without these other companies that doing what they do as well, uh, what I do really wouldn't be possible because really what we're all doing is sort of subsidizing, you know, his operation and the ability that we can all share it because in order to do it like independently, it would just be astronomical um, as far as cost goes. So it's been really nice to kind of, uh, um, you know, share that with other companies and, and make it all feasible for all of us and for people to enjoy those trips. So for the customers themselves. Yeah. It's sort of a business ecosystem that that the helicopter company can survive as well as your company among others. Totally. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know if, if people are familiar with like how many hours it takes to become a helicopter pilot, you know, the crazy insurance those guys have, the, the permitting they fly under things like that. So I'm, you know, I'm really fortunate and really lucky that I don't, I don't have to deal with that stuff. So, I'm, and I'm happy to, you know, I get the question all the time. It's so like, oh, you know, are you the pilot or do you want to become a pilot? And, and I mean, the helicopter is like, that's the ultimate machine. I mean, that, that it can hover, like it can fly, it can go in any direction. It's epic. But like at the same time, it's like, oh man, I got into this because I wanted to surf. And, and if I put that time in to get that helicopter license, I'd be dropping surfers off and, and not surfing. So that's kind of been my decision to sort of stick with what I love doing. Yeah. There's the old saying, I don't know exactly what it is, but the, the higher up you get, the less you do the thing you got into it to do. And, yeah, you know, if you're a guide, you go in, you're like, I want to do this all the time and take people. And then all of a sudden your manager or supervisor announced paperwork, watching the guides out the window, do the thing that you love. So yeah, I can see not wanting, not wanting to get into, into the helicopter part of it. Yeah. Now, and that's kind of the thing again, it, it, it kind of goes back to like why I started it all in the first place. And my goal was, was never to like, you know, start a business that was just making money. And, and that's funny, like a funny philosophy, because that's what, you know, capitalism or like why you start a business in the first place is to make money. But for me, it was really about like, I never wanted to like grow the company big enough that I had to hire somebody. And that's a funny thing to do. But, but I've just wanted to get to the point where it's like I'm surfing maybe twice a week. And that to me, it would be like the ultimate success. It, it, I really wouldn't measure it. And in income numbers. Yeah. I was going to ask if you have, uh, any other guides or employees. Cause I mean, I know a bunch of people that would be like, uh, yeah, like guiding surfing and from a helicopter in Alaska, I'll, I'll do it for free. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's really funny. Cause like, I wish, you know, I wish as many people, uh, wanted to sign up for the trips as they do want to work for me. You know, I get, I get, tons i mean not tons but i get a fair amount of people who are just pumped on it and i'm always so stoked and you know love to take the time to talk with them and stuff but it's definitely like yeah i don't i'm not uh not working on any any hiring right now so just trying to keep myself busy surfing and and uh yeah it, it's uh it's definitely been a lot of fun and i learned a lot you know just about like like we kind of spoke about earlier before the podcast i was never in tourism before i got into taking people surfing. So for me, you know, learning, you know, how gratifying it can be to share an experience with other people and, you know, and doing it in your own format, you know, and what, what feels comfortable for you. And, and uh, yeah, and it's fun to see how people respond to that. So. Yeah. Let's go back, you know, before Alaska surf guide started, you're from Alaska originally born and raised, as you said, sort of tell me, start wherever you'd like and tell me how, this sort of started you said you weren't originally in tourism it wasn't something that you were you were looking into but now you're you know right there in, in the midst of it so give me the sort of the backstory of how this all came to be so yeah I was kind of like grew up a kid just always wanting to to end up like doing some sort of trade in the oil fields you know up here 
kind of growing up and you learn that like that's a way that people can make a good living and and so I was just like I'm gonna be a I want to be a welder or like I want to run equipment and that's you know do some sort of blue collar work and that's what I did for you know my summers and and then I finally ended up uh, landing a job up in like the North Slope in the Arctic which is on the very top of the state and I worked for about like four years year round and at that time I was like into surfing I'd gotten into surfing right around the time like just before I sort of had gotten the job up there and just really kind of got hooked on it and we had some bad winters and so I was just like gave me an opportunity to surf even more um, to the point where it's not like I was you know picking between surfing and snowboarding it was like I really really didn't have a choice because it was raining and we just kept getting decent waves and so I think I was looking for some change at that time and was pretty pumped on, you know, both the idea of like starting a business, but also like just got really lucky and a passion sort of found me or I found it. I, I don't really know which one yet, but, and just to sort of decided to kind of put those two together, you know, it was really theoretical in the beginning. And it still sounds funny to tell people that like, you know, you designed a business around taking people in a helicopter and going surfing. Cause it's still pretty hard to to comprehend but uh but yeah so that was kind of the the idea of working up there was to make some money and i'd started building a house you know i'd come home from the from the oil fields and buy some building supplies and you know keep keep hanging drywall and insulating and do all doing all sorts of things and um was working on that and kind of decided to take the leap into you know start my own gig i think earlier we kind of talked about paying the you know getting the helicopter pilot or at the time i was actually flying in a small airplane so i don't know if people are familiar with like bush planes but a but a super cub again kind of scouting the coastline trying to figure out where to surf um had to take some of that money and and go buy wetsuits so hooded wetsuits with gloves and boots and and surfboards and camping gear and emergency equipment you know went and did some things like getting my woofer wilderness first responder there and just a lot of you know a lot of emergency equipment a lot of thinking and and things like that so to sort of put the plan together and and then being stubborn I decided to build a website you know something I know nothing about you know even things like filing for your business license and you know opening an LLC and all these things it's amazing how much how much time it takes to do all that stuff, but how much you learn in the whole process. So getting into creating your own business and especially when you're the only, you're, you're, you know, the only one doing it, you learn so much and quickly and it's, it's very uh, necessary and it, that hits you really quick. I think. Yeah, it definitely like, I still, I mean, I still enjoy, I enjoy a lot about it because I'm so passionate about it. And I think like I do, I mean, I do all my social media marketing, build my website, update my websites, do all the reservations, all that stuff. And I, I still enjoy it. It's really fun. I think there's a lot of like creativeness behind it. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a musician in any sense. I mean, I'm the least musically inclined person probably in Alaska. So for me trying to find sort of an outlet to be creative and that's kind of been my, my format. So I've been really, really lucky to sort of find that as well. And it's fun to inspire people. Once in a while, I get just a random email or message just saying, you know, thanks for thanks for inspiring us to keep surfing or surf cold places or things like that. And, you know, that stuff's small, but it's also cool to know that people are pumped. So I kind of want to zero in on uh, one of the moments you talked about. So you're working in the oil fields and then you're coming home and working on this this house was there an aha moment or an epiphany that you're like, wait a second, I could charge people to go out surfing with me in this area? I think the biggest moment was that I, I mean, it, it, it's not, it's probably similar to like a lot of people's stories. Like you wake up sort of one day and I think it's so funny because I think it was like the second day of January. It was one of those like, I'm going to do something different. Or like, I'm going to make a change. I think it was one of those small steps just to file for an online business license and then be like, okay, like I did that, like what's next. And to sort of build on, 
you know, just sort of problem solving and trying to figure things out. But, but really it was an exciting time for me because I've always like before that I'd never surfed over there, like on that side of what the area that we call like the Gulf, I mean, the Gulf of Alaska, essentially the North Gulf of Alaska. And I'd never been over there to surf. And so for me, it was like just as much about like justifying my passion, I guess, to go and surf and explore, you know, to try and create, I guess, an experience for other people too. So, so yeah, to try and do that was, I think the aha moment was just like, I had just kind of decided that I wanted to start a business, like just as much as I love surfing. I think, I think those two things went hand in hand and, uh, sort of the step that got me moving was really just, I filed for like an online business license, you know, without a true plan in mind or, or yeah, any formal, like anything really written down. And, and which is really funny to think of now, because like, even when you do write stuff down, like even my, even once I opened, like what I started offering people and the prices and everything that to where I am today has just evolved so much. And a lot of that has to do with just like logistics and yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of variables. So I think the aha moment really was just one small step and I just stuck with it. Yeah. As you were, as you were talking about getting that uh, business license, it reminded me of Indiana Jones at the pedestal, taking the, the thing off of there. And then all of a sudden the ball starts rolling and you just got to run. <laughs> you, you've set it in motion. It Now it's time to do the thing until, <laughs> until you, you know, you get to the end. Yeah. That's super funny. And I think like, yeah, that, that's a really great idea because I mean, you, I mean, essentially what's really fun about it is like, you've created a theoretical product, like something like this, like really it doesn't exist. You know, you've made this, you've made up these trips and now you've put them online. I think we have the ability to like do that and get information in front of people. And then, you know, it's your, it's your opportunity or it's your responsibility to like deliver this experience for people. And I think through all of that, I, it's taught me a lot of just about, you know, there's lots of challenges and lots of things that change, uh, as far as like, uh, again, like logistics and weather and, and safety. I mean, a lot of these things, um, have shaped like what the product is now, the helicopter surfing trip. It, it really had started out, you know, airplanes and, uh, you know, there was, there was other options that were low cost. And I think through all that and, through a couple of seasons of adding up all my expenses and figuring out everything. It was, I've kind of learned like trial by fire. And I think that that's a really, you know, for me, that's been a really fun way to learn. I think there's probably a lot of seasonals that think, Oh, I could do a tour, start a company. And once you get into it, as you found, there's a lot more to it. Can you, can you sort of zoom in on some of those challenges and adversity? I mean, I know you, you hadn't surfed that side of the Gulf before and you made the switch from planes to helicopters. I'm sure there's a lot more along the way, but kind of give me a few of those, those moments where, you know, you came to a challenge and how you overcame it and zoom in on those decisions that you made along, along that process. Yeah. I think the biggest ones probably go back to just that transition from fixed wing to helicopter you know, and some of them were, you know, there was two really big factors. And one of them being that, you know, landing on beaches where, you know, they're changing constantly, you know, depending on whatever, whatever the surf did to it to the day before, you know, it could have put a log in the, in the runway or there's big bumps. And so you got just like a totally like variable, like landing area um, that changes all the time. And, in addition to that, like that was a really big one. Um, and just thinking about it from a safety perspective for people and fortunate that everything went smooth, you know, while I was doing it and, and whatnot. But then the second factor being weather, you know, airplanes, the big difference between the airplane and the helicopter is like, you know, you fly into like a, a valley or a canyon and, you know, a helicopter can stop, but an airplane has to do like a loop in order to turn around and it needs space. And so that was another big factor. And so that's why their their sort of like flying regulations are different as well as to what they can fly in. Also, the helicopter that I fly in has emergency floats that can expand. So if you're flying over water and something happens, you know, something unforeseen, um, you've got that sort of redundancy as like a, a last resort. Whereas 
you know, small airplanes don't quite have that. They need to fly higher. So they need, uh, you know, better weather conditions, so to speak, than the helicopter. So, so through, I guess, uh, you know, at one point it was like, okay, if I'm doing overnight trips, I got to tell people like, you know, this weather in the Gulf of Alaska is so variable. It changes all the time. Like you just need to kind of be accepting of the fact that like, if the day comes to get picked up and we can't, like, you're going to have to sort of shell out the additional money for the helicopter to come get you. And so at first that seemed like a good idea to, to kind of do and communicate with people. And, and then eventually it just kind of came to like, okay, this is, this is what's functional. This is what people are, you know, are enjoying. Nobody wants to worry about their flight coming and sort of transitioned into people just, you know, and the flight experiences are different as well. Uh, in my opinion, the difference between flying like fixed wing is super sweet. You know, you get really cool establishers are a lot higher up typically, whereas a helicopter is, you can kind of contour a lot more of the coastline or, or through the mountain passes and things like that. So they are a different experience in their own right. So um, that was kind of another benefit of making that transition in a way. So, and then also the helicopter gives you the ability to land in tight places on uneven surfaces in areas that an airplane could never get into. And so that's, that opened up sort of another set of doors on, uh, on being able to surf, you know, new spots. Yeah. It's sort of a accessibility versus a price point is the fulcrum there. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it, it's so, I don't know, it's just a really fun, I mean, it, it's a, I mean, it is a, like you would say a higher end cost wise, but it's also like an unmatched experience. And I think that's something sometimes like people forget as far as flying and, you know, just as far as like in general experiences go, uh, it's a really like, I, I just get so geeked out on every flight, like still, and I'm, you know, 30 years I've lived in the same town, didn't start flying, you know, in this area until I started the the surfing stuff. And so, you know, for me just to totally be revamped and like, you know, fall in love with like the same area I grew up in because you're able to see it now from so many different perspectives. And yeah, it's, it's been really gratifying. Yeah. You've seen it with, you know, new eyes from a different perspective, but also one of the things that I always find refreshing a place I've been for a while is when new people come in and I'm showing them where, where I live or, you know, where we are and they're seeing it for the first time and, you know, talking about what they're really enjoying about it. And that kind of, it brings that newness back in my mind to the place as well. Yeah. I think that's like, I mean, I don't know if, uh, if you've done any guiding or, or, I mean, it just sounds like even in general, if you've had family or friends come to town in one way or another, you've done some guiding. Most people have, but I think it's really fun. I think there's a lot of energy, positive energy that can come from like, again, sharing your experiences and your passions like with people. And I think that that's like a lot of the time, I think I've heard it in, in a lot of different formats, but like essentially people make the trip in a lot of these circumstances. And I think that's, you know, super true that like, if you have really fun people with you, it just makes the, the experience that much better. Yeah. One of my, one of my favorite parts of what a guy does is being a facilitator, you know, someone who would normally wouldn't have a chance to be in an area or a situation or, you know, a sport such as surfing and you're kind of the bridge between that person and this thing that they wouldn't be able to do normally, which almost always going to get paid to be that person. But at the same time, just being able to help them have that experience and, you know, sort of give them the, the quick version and teach them and show them and have them experience that is, is one of the coolest aspects, I think, of that profession. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of, you know, again, it kind of goes back to like, you could be a really good surfer, you know, you could be one of the best surfers. And, and uh, I think you're going to have a really good skill set for like being in the water. But it doesn't matter if it's Alaska or, or anywhere, I think just like, you know, your surroundings, the wildlife, you know, your transportation, 
you know, tides, weather, all these, all these variables. It's, it's really cool to, you know, to share that and to like, you know, kind of help to, you know, there's no guarantees in surfing and that's one of the fascinating things about it, but to help like do everything I can, you know, the best of my ability to help create like a rad experience for somebody is, is yeah, I've really kind of found myself like motivated and inspired by it. Even going into the fifth season, it's, it's still a really good feeling to have that. Yeah. Rad is a great word for it. I mean, you're, you know, you're surfing already has this, uh, mystique or aura around it that, you know, the coolest people are surfers. And then, you know, you throw helicopter into it and you're like, okay, helicopter, as you said, is the ultimate machine. So now we've got two a plus things going for it. It's like, Oh, what? Oh, well, let's do it in Alaska. And it's like, okay, at this point, I mean, we're jumping the shark with how cool this really is, you know? <laughs> yeah. I love that. I think it's so funny. Cause I mean, I'm glad to have this like in-depth sort of conversation of how things came to be because like every once in a while, somebody will be like, somebody just sort of assumes that I just had this, you know, that this idea just came to be. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know if you, I don't know if somebody could like sit down and like sort of make it up like all at once. And I still kind of feel that way about, you know, the same thing, surfing Alaska helicopters. It's just like, I wasn't just a grand idea that started out like first time. So it's pretty fun now to look back on it and, and see how pumped people get on the, the idea of it all. Yeah. I can imagine something like Alaskan helicopter surfing is sort of more of a serendipitous thing you fall into rather than you wake up in Missouri and you're like, you know what I want to do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you've got five seasons under your belt. I mean, it sounds, it sounds like the people, your clientele are getting what they paid for. I mean, it sounds it's awesome idea. Everything's, everything's going well there. What do you have any, any plans for the future in terms of um, maybe modifying or adding to the, the existing model? There's a couple of couple of fun things in the works right now. I actually was like lucky enough to get in contact with a gal who had some remote property out in that same zone, um, and so I picked up uh, a lot out there. And uh, you know, it's like four and a half acres, um, and it's pretty cool. Uh, so I'm pretty stoked on putting up sort of a, I guess like an A-frame sort of surf shack out there with a you know helicopter landing site um there's some really sick backcountry ski lines right behind it and uh, it's pretty close to the beach so that's sort of a you know no immediate plan on that but that's just like kind of my dream project and i don't know if it'll be more or less for alaska surf guides or just for myself to go hide away and enjoy everything i like to do uh, all in one spot but that's uh that's one of them. And then the other one is I like, I don't know if I mentioned, I've been working with Mike who owns the Milo surf boat. And that's, uh, I might've mentioned how that was, it used to be a former commercial fishing vessel that has now been swapped over to accommodate multi-day surf trips. And we've been working together for two years now and got a bunch of, bunch of surf trips coming up in March, April, May, and, and we'll be down uh, you know, in the Kenai Fjords and Seward area for a couple months, but then down at the uh, kind of by the Aleutian chain surfing down that area. Just really excited to go down there and just see more country, everything down there. I've been down there one time and it's super fascinating. Again, just like Seward with its, with its history. I mean, that area has really, really cool history. Um, much older than Seward. I mean, there's some archaeological findings down there that date back you know 2000 years so there's some some really cool stuff to see down there really great waves uh, another part of alaska that definitely doesn't see tourism um you know a lot of the times it's seeing you know commercial fishing or research but uh yeah i feel fortunate to be down there to recreate i think that's a really really cool dynamic so um so yeah kind of continuing to pursue more waves trying to surf more breaks, see more towns. Um, you know, I think there's a lot, I'm really inspired to see a lot of Alaska and I just hopefully I can continue to kind of come up and, and craft some projects to see, see some more remote portions of, uh, you know, West, Western Alaska. And I'd love to, and I'd love to see more of, uh, 
yeah, more of the state. That's kind of my dream. Yeah, I, th- I think it's pretty telling about sort of the, the level of your passion when I when I ask, oh, what you know, what's the future for this look like? And you're like, oh, build an A-frame right there, Surf Shack. Oh, you know what? I might just that might just be my place. I don't know if I'm gonna <laughs> like bring people there. <laughs> it might just be me surfing out there doing that. Yeah, yeah, it's super funny to think about. You know, like. I don't know what motivates me. Like, you know, I'm working on a few projects right now. I've got another business and uh, yeah, I just think about like how re-energizing that would be just to be able to just kind of hang out and have it to yourself for a while and be able to surf and ski in the same day. And it'd be nice to get away. I mean, we all like love technology and it's, and it's, it's essential to what we do. Like there's no doubt about it. I couldn't have any helicopter surf trips without the internet most likely and the ability to connect with people, but man, it's, it's a pretty unreal feeling to get away from that stuff, you know, for extended periods of time. That's one of the cool things about like a two week surf trip or a 10 day surf trip is, you know, we're, we're not in cell service. So, you know, just that ability to, to sort of really connect with not only your like surroundings, but the people that you're sharing the experience with too. So give me sort of a, what your planned itinerary or you know if you're not there yet maybe the the cloudier version of the boat trip that you're talking about we run i mean anywhere from five to 14 days and it's a it's a sort of a charter format i guess in the sense that we'll stick with sort of the same group of guests we'll book you know a week or two week trip yeah load everybody up and and uh, head out of the harbor and hopefully be surfing that same day or at least headed to a headed to a break to get into position for the following day but we'll try to surf once a day while we're on the boat and you know sometimes we'll do a bit of a longer travel or go for a hike or or go paddleboard around icebergs or you know really just depends on the zone that we're in but I think on average we you know some days we'll surf twice and some days you know we'll skip a day and do something fun. So that's kind of the format is to just, you know, surf, surf as much as we can play as much as we can. We eat great food. I mean, there's, we've got a few people who cook on the boat and, and no one's going hungry. It's, it's pretty awesome. That's another good time that everybody sits around the table and sort of debriefs about their experience from the day. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, nowadays it's, you're not always, you know, taking that opportunity to sit down and enjoy food with people like that. So yeah, so that's been really fun too. And, and so we'll try to do different zones around Alaska. So for example, we went to Yakutat, uh, area, I guess we in and out of there. Yeah. We did two months down there and got to share that experience with a few different groups. And then we made the 400 mile commute back to Seward and that's kind of how we operate is sort of, sort of in and out of Seward and Homer. Uh, but then again, I mentioned that we're going to go down to like kind of the Aleutian zone and, and the Shumigan islands, which is, uh, yeah, really another really, really phenomenal, um, setting. Uh, you know, again, it's sort of Alpine like there's no trees on the islands. You know, some islands have just these totally exotic, like white sand looking beaches, which is, very unlike Alaska, we have a lot of dark, dark beaches, dark sand beaches up here. So it really sticks out. And so, yeah, a lot of that stuff is, it's really cool. And, and uh, it's always fun to share that with people. And I think that's become one of the, one of the cool things is like making these connections through these trips. And, you know, when you talk with somebody, it's always like those funny things that pop up, like, uh, you know, talking about those fun details of things that you found or did, or what good surf came of it. And, and yeah, it's cool. So if somebody wanted to go on one of your tours, whether it's the the helicopter or the boat, how, how could they find you? And, uh, also I'm kind of, what's, what's sort of the price point on these different tours? Yeah. So the best way to get in touch with me is, is definitely, you know, either Instagram, uh, it's probably at Alaska surf guides is the uh, handle on there or the website, uh, Alaska surf and uh, so the price point really varies. Uh, surfing stuff, it's pretty set in stone. Uh, the day trip, which is about a six-hour trip, all the gear included, that's seven twenty-five plus tax per person, and uh, it's a two-person minimum on that. 
and then a, a day trip or sorry, a multi-day trip, you're looking at right around 300 to 350 a day for some of these multi-day trips. And that's like everything included food, sleeping on the boat, surfing, hiking, exploring, whatever we do. And again, like all the gear, there's wetsuits on there, Santa paddle boards, all types of surfboards. And so that's kind of a, kind of a, you know, like a five day trip is right around 1600 bucks, which is pretty rad price point that, you know, even a lot of Alaska locals have really kind of taken to it. And it's fun to sort of show them a more in-depth perspective of the outer coast, which, you know, it's why we got into it in the first place is because there's no roads or coastal access. So it's cool to share that with even Alaskans. Yeah. Having, having dealt with sort of float plane tours and the more single day touristy stuff in Ketchikan that those prices are seem really good for what the crazy experience that you're offering yeah and that's like I mean I'm I'm just a, a normal guy in that sense that like I was right there I laugh at like my original pricing and stuff I think like if I look back on it I would have been just paying to take people <laughs> in my first couple seasons I was paying to take people serving yeah. Uh, so it's really fun to look at now. And I just try to keep it as, you know, I try to keep the margin like right there. And cause I want people to be able to enjoy this stuff. And I don't want to like set some crazy barrier as to like who can do it. And that's kind of the goal behind it is again, to try and keep it low so that more people do it. So I surf more and, you know, share the experience with more people. So now that you're sort of in the, the tourism sector um, and especially being in Seward I'm sure you interact with a lot of the the seasonal workers and sort of the influx in and out of town throughout the seasons what what are your thoughts on the lifestyle itself and sort of the, the people that come through and just the idea that this is this is something people can go into I think that's like, I mean, definitely cool to like grow up in the town and, and always be surrounded by tourism, but then not getting into it, you know, to a little bit later, all my friends growing up were either, you know, fishing or working on, you know, whale watching boats or, or, you know, ice climbing guides or, you know, doing that different stuff. And it's, I think it's a really like good opportunity to bring, you know, not only like young people to town, but just like really fun outgoing people to town. Um, and I think that that's been like one of the things that I think it brings a lot of like diversity and a lot of like good energy to town. And one of the cool things about living in Seward, I think year round is that perspective of like the fact that it's two different towns uh, because it's so seasonal. So summertime, it's just like pretty vibrant, man. There's a lot of people like, you know, there's a lot of tourism, but like, there's also like, it brings these awesome, these people into town, these seasonal workers and they're really fun people and they're building their summertime community. And it's just, yeah, it's really fun. It's like a different energy. Um, then you go into the wintertime and it's very quiet. You know, there's no really minimal tourism, if any. And uh, a lot of these seasonal workers are mainly, you know, you know, they're seasonal workers somewhere else as well. So they'll go to a ski resort or they'll go back to school. And yeah, so I, I mean, I think that I do enjoy the winter time as well. It's a good time for the creative projects and good time to really focus on like skiing and, and, you know, um, just different other things. So it is, it is a really fun town to live in, in both of its seasons, in my opinion. But yeah, as far as the, the seasonal nature, it's something that like, I mean, I'm stoked on it. I love, I have two businesses that are both tourism based, you know, while it doesn't provide a, a super stable, economy for the town personally for myself it's i love the diversity i love like just that five month sprint and then like having you know the rest of the year to sort of like you know refocus and figure out what worked what didn't and sort of yeah like replanning the next season already so so while it is a seasonal business there's definitely like it's never seasonal as far as like the hours that i end up putting in to either of the businesses so have you maybe friends or family sort of brought them into the the seasonal lifestyle you talked about how your your friends were kind of into it when you're younger but now that later in life you've you've gotten into it have have you talked to someone and they're like oh you know i'm 
looking for something or, you know, just not sure what to do. And you're like, well, try this, try this seasonal lifestyle sort of thing. Yeah. I think like one thing I sort of just realized was that I, I guess I'm so immersed in it that I really never looked at it as like different, if that makes any sense. And that, you know, in the way that like somebody, I guess, I guess I don't know very many people who have the same year round job. And that's kind of like a product of like growing up in this environment now. And even my friends who are commercial fishermen or merchant mariners are like, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of, I guess, interesting, a lot of interesting schedules uh, of employment at like, so that's like a really like fun thing to sort of realize just now. But a lot of people, I think if they're looking to, you know, tra- you get like the people who are looking to travel for the summer, like I've got a gap in between what I'm doing. I'm looking for a seasonal employment. But then you also have the people who like continue to come back, you know, every year. And that's like, it's fun to see, you know, the difference in that. So, and I think there's a lot of different sort of categories you know this you have like the service industry like you know the food industry hospitality like with the hotels and things like that but then like you know what we've kind of talked about now is you know you have guiding you have like you know the outdoor industry that's in the last decade just really really blown up and sort of started to take on the face of like what tourism has become whereas before it was really these sort of cruise ship bus uh, packages. Now you're starting to see, um, you know, this become, you know, this eco, not eco tourism, but essentially adventure tourism becomes sort of like in the face and, and a really cool driving force for employment and for opportunities for seasonal employees. And it's really cool. It's really fun to see people with like just outgoing personalities and great work ethic, like put that effort into creating experiences for people and through that guiding process. So yeah, I think it is just attracts awesome people. Yeah. To me, one of the, one of the biggest aspects that I always tried to keep in the forefront of my mind, once we started the magazine and everything working in Ketchikan was uh, integrating with the locals and being sort of good, good house guests to their, to their home and their town. And, you know, seeing that, that connection happen and other seasonals kind of keep that that culture going and seeing it sort of interlace really well because I, I don't have as much extensive experience so I may be off base but visiting like say the Caribbean I saw that there was definitely a barrier or a gap between the tourism industry and the locals and you know there are other places I've been that have, have a similar situation but in Alaska in my experience was it tied together pretty well and it, it you could see that both sides were kind of working on that and making it happen. Yeah. Do you see that? Like, I mean, I know you guys had a, probably a really tough summer I mean, we all did, but I think as far as this tourism goes, I mean, I think Seward was fortunate to be on the road system, but like, you know, in an average summer, do you guys, do you get that feeling from people who aren't in tourism? Like, is there an underlying sort of feeling that it's an inconvenience? I mean, you hear people joke about it, you know, constantly, you know, tourists leave their brain at home and sort of that stuff, which for the tourists is, is can be true. And of course there, you know, there's the, the grumpy older curmudgeons that are like, oh, well, you know, so many people in town, you can't get one side or the other. I just stay home in the summer, blah, blah, blah. But for the most part, and especially the, the locals that do come out and do sort of enjoy that the fresh perspective and the new people and all that it it is a it is a really cool feeling and it's it's great to meet people from there that have stories about it and you know can teach you about it especially as you know a very willing student trying to learn as much as they can about every because i think every seasonal that travels has sort of that curiosity bug and that yearning for knowledge and yeah meeting a ton of locals like they they have in Ketchikan that are such good storytellers and educators and all that. It was, it was a a wonderful, wonderful experience in that way. I think that's like one of the interesting things about, about that seasonal nature is that again, like they kind of touched on that there's different industries within it, like in Alaska, like, you know, the fishing, the tourism, you know, even 
I guess you could look at even the oil fields has uh, seasonal nature. Like they really ramp up in the winter time. So, you know, the different industries in Alaska having different times of the year is really interesting to see. But as far as like tourism, I think people are realizing and, and people I think are trying to be more responsible now um, as far as business owners go to sort of think about and create a good, uh, you know, good atmosphere for people who occupy the town year round. I think that that's something that's really cool to see being taken into consideration. And I'm looking forward to seeing that develop more. Have you ever considered throwing on a wetsuit and trying surfing in Alaska? I, until today, no, I hadn't, (laughs) but now it's all I want to (laughs) do. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on, Scott. It was great to talk to you. And, uh, I think we covered a lot of really cool stuff and it was awesome learning about your company and everything that you do up there. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I'm stoked to talk about, you know, not only surfing, but it is cool to see somebody focusing on that seasonal lifestyle, you know, something that's been really enjoyable to me for a long time now. So stoked to share my experience with everyone. Yeah. That's it. That's the episode. The seasonals are Kelly Mogg, Ryan Deininger, me, Joey Ravinsky. The theme song by Ryan Deininger, Joe Williams, Louis Leva, Chappie, Thomas Hamilton. Follow us on Instagram at the seasonals underscore. Like us on Facebook. Listen to our next episode. That's it. We're out. Yeah.